Are you an established consultant interested in being a guest on this show? Then head on over to leadersofconsulting.com forward slash guest. And if you meet our criteria, you can go ahead and book yourself on the show. So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting, the show that brings you interviews with experts in the trenches at the forefront of consulting and coaching, sharing their own perspectives, tips and resources they picked up along the way for your benefit. Our guest on this episode has over three decades of experience in the corporate world and has a deep passion for developing leaders. We are joined by none other than Marcy Stout. Uh, Marcy uh, runs an interesting uh, business where she's actually partnered up with her sister to launch a coaching practice where they basically help empower women through leadership workshops and programs tailored just for them. So Marcy, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate uh, you inviting me and including me with your uh, network. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And uh, we have a common connection with uh, Lana, who was uh, previously on the show as well. So Marcy, why don't you tell us about one unique approach, tip to all the strategy uh, that you think other consultants or coaches should probably know about that they don't? Maybe something that you picked up earlier along in your career. Well, it's always hard to narrow it down to just one. Yeah. But I uh, appreciate that question because it's so important that you really hone in on what the purpose is of your business, especially if you have a consulting practice. The one thing I learned pretty fast is since I had such a corporate discipline, um, I did run strategy for a company, it was $3 billion. So when you said something, it had to be so lock solid for at least the next 18 months, the higher in the org chart, three years. Mm. So for me, jumping from corporate America where you know, the the curse in corporate America is when the employees tell the leader, this is the flavor of the month. So you really needed a very specific, strategic, very consistent approach. Well, when you start your own business, you still need those elements, but there's so many choices. So I kind of learned like the, the uh, life of hard knocks, recognizing when I started my own practice, that there were way too many choices. And so I found myself, you know, getting really... Um, clear on what I want to do and how I was going to attract the right clients and build these programs for these results. But with, you know, thankfully with the internet and the access to so many different interviews and books and ways of getting mentorship, it's pretty easy to compare yourself to other people and kind of lose track towards your vision. So when you see somebody else do something, you think, oh, that seems like a great idea. I should do that too. I should do that too. Well, every time you do that, if you're not really clear on your vision of the people you want to work with, because you know the best thing about being an entrepreneur is you get to pick clients that fill your cup. Like you look forward to every hour you spend with the people you choose to work with. So if you're not really clear on who you want to work with, the problems you're really good at solving, and how you actually go about getting results for that individual person or that individual company, you end up watering down your approach and you really increase some stress level that is unnecessary. So for me, I loved working with my sister because I was so structured. I said, no, this is the exact way we're going to go. But it actually wasn't the best approach all the time. We had to do our research. We had to do things. And my sister, who did not come from corporate America, she was like, Marcy, it's fine. We could just, we could just do this. You know, like she, she had a light way of like, let's look at another another approach or something we could do. So together we kind of combined it. So I, un- I basically took off my corporate America 
coat, you know, that was very structured. And then I just mm. applied one approach. And this is the one thing I wanted to share is that if you're really clear on your vision of who you want to be as consistent as possible, and you just take daily action that aligns to that vision, the right clients come, the right impact comes, and you can build a business that is really perfect for your niche. And um, that's the thing I always like to share with people. And just the one quote that stands out for me the most, Theodore Roosevelt said, uh, comparison is a thief of joy. And in this land of social media and seeing so many great consultants and coaches and things doing great things, it's so easy to look at how somebody else is doing it and have that comparison factor not be an edge to learn from them, but actually that thief of joy. So that's the thing I, I'd love to share. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's very powerful. So I'm curious, were, were there any um, instances uh, that you can remember where there was maybe there was a, an opportunity or, uh, you know, something that was potentially a distraction, but you were really pulled towards that you you were able to kind of stick to your guns and say no, and you were able to stay on the the path that you were aiming towards or on the, on the flip side, were there any instances where I'm, I'm just curious, like if there are any kind of heuristics or, or, or guidelines that you follow that help you determine when there is some sort of opportunity that arises that could eventually result in some growth for your business, when to pursue it or when to not pursue it. Well, the main dem demographic of my coaching practice and consulting practice is dedicated towards women who are navigating maternity leaves. Yeah. And so I kind of say this 18 months maternity leave because I found when I was in each one of those stages, I had three babies when I was in corporate America. And every single time I had a child, there is just so much change that happens. Your, your, there's just a lot of change that happens, I think yeah. you can imagine. And so when I came back from my first maternity leave, my company had given me an executive coach. And that to me was very powerful because I really didn't intend to be a working mom. So I just sprint as fast as I could through corporate America to have all the trophies and save a lot of money so I could stay home. Um, but when I actually had that choice in my first maternity leave, I recognized how much I loved my career. And so my boss had given me an executive coach at that stage. And she had a tremendous impact on my trajectory. So that's my thesis is starting when I left corporate America, I stayed home for a couple of years. And when I went out to set this business, it was this very small demographic. And that niche demographic is finally five years later coming to fruition where I have a few clients in that demographic, but it's so incredibly narrow. And these women are very busy. You know, they have, they're juggling <laughs> doctor's appointments and, you know, tidying up what they need to before they go out on maternity leave and how they come back. So really that niche was not the niche that was coming to me originally. And mm. that was actually kind of hard for me because I wasn't sure, was it my approach in marketing? Was I not getting there enough? Or does this demographic, were they kind of like me? Like maybe they won't come back to work and they didn't want to invest in coaching because they were kind of undecided. So I was unclear about that. So we just, my sister and I just kept going ahead and she, again, a great partner, kept asking me those questions. We're like, well, what is it that, what type of results can you get from women in maternity leave? And one of the gifts that you have as a woman going to maternity leave is uh, you have to leave your post for three months. So there's always three addictions. We say you need to break up to go from middle management to senior management, regardless of gender. You got to break up with the addiction of your customers needing you. 
If you work for a corporation, your customer needs the company and you have a team that usually supports you. The second addiction is your team's addiction to you. So needing to make a bunch of decisions and they have to run it always by you, or they have to incorporate you or ask for feedback. Your team's addiction to you tethers you to where you are with the team. And it doesn't actually bring the best out in the team. And then the third addiction is your own addiction to work. Having your self-worth tied to your title, feeling like, oh, I am the one that can solve this problem. I have to get involved in everything. So women are fortunate because they're forced to break those addictions within one, <laughs> one swoop of a pregnancy. They have to prepare from seven months to nine months. They're preparing for that. So those addictions are broken. So the coaching is really fun. So when my sister, when I was struggling, I was kind of getting a little bit disheartened because, you know, obviously you try to start an entrepreneurial career to replace your corporate income and it doesn't happen the first year. It doesn't even happen the second year. So you kind of feel like you're working your heart out, but you're not making that same level of income. So there's this mm. disparity that feels frustrating. So when my sister asked me the question, when I was getting really frustrated, she's like, okay, let's just pretend you're working with a woman on maternity leave. What is it that you teach her that you get great results? And can we apply that to our men clients and our other people? Like, you know, I work a lot with a C-suite. I do my consulting work. And so that's when we started recognizing I I help them release themselves of these three addictions. And if I could just apply that to my clients in other ways and help them see how they can empower other people, bring out strengths from people, that'll work. So once we started going down that path, we really started grow, like growing and attracting the right clients. And I am a referral-based marketing. Um, so I really, most of my clients, they all tend to know each other in some way, you know, yeah. one degree of separation. Yeah, And that's kind of how I overcame that disappointment of not actually working with my niche that I still feel is the niche I want to work with. Um, it's probably like 10% now, 15% of my revenue. It's still small, but it feels great working with them. But I do feel like um, the strength a woman has because she's forced to leave her post for three months is a strength you can learn at any time. Yeah, very interesting. I'm actually reading a book uh, or rereading. It's the newer edition, uh, a book called Clockwork by an author called Mike Mike McAlevitz. And he talks about a lot of the similar themes that you're, you're bringing up. The whole point of the book is to basically help business owners free themselves from the shackles of feeling like they have to do everything and be the owner and take responsibility for all the outcomes. And he also talks about the importance of being able to niche down like that as well, mm-hmm. uh, and find the people you can serve the best. Um, it also reminds me of, uh, there's, are you familiar with uh, an email marketing software called ConvertKit? I'm not. Um, it's sort of you know similar to Mailchimp, but the mm-hmm. um, but they're extremely successful nowadays. But the founder talks about how when he started off, he focused on being the best email marketing platform for an extremely small demographic. It was I think it was paleo um, mother bloggers, mm-hmm. uh, and but he just. He basically just created like this little echo chamber there. So they were, everyone was talking about that particular service all the time. They're like, oh, have you checked this out? And he really understood their needs and was able to really, really, you know, hone his marketing to that specific demographic. And from that, he was able to then branch out into adjacent niches and and basically widen his base. But starting off with a small niche like that is, mm-hmm. is uh, yeah, quite, quite. I, and I do love the small niche because... There are so many people out there and a small mm. niche, it can confine you. But when I'm doing messaging for this niche, 
or as I've now translated how this niche is actually something for other demographics, mm-hmm. I don't I don't really feel like it's a lot of work and pressure when I have to do a blog post or a LinkedIn post because it just is so it's like just what I really care about. Mm. So I did find myself when you know I said like in that you know that one unique approach if you really know your vision you have to know the problems you solve, how you solve those problems and how you solve them better than your competition is kind of like a coaching practice that I have when I'm having sales leaders. So when I would go down that path of recognizing this is my vision, this is who I want to work with, what's an action that aligned, that action didn't feel like a lot of work. It was just kind of like, well, this is just what I do. And I get excited about it. The second I was forcing myself to kind of I don't know, you know, be more of the, I do a lot of work in change, change management mm-hmm. is a part of my practice, but it's not my core cornerstone of my practice. So if I would find myself like, oh, I need to do a post on change management, like that's really not the path that my core demographics going through. And even my executives, I'll just say like the CEOs that are men that I work with, when we work on those three addictions, which are similar for women, um, when we work on those three addictions, it's really transformational because they actually recognize how they're not as um, strong with that succession planning. Their intention is great succession planning, but they want to bring somebody up. So, you know, again, that small niche helps you with marketing messaging that just feels good for you. It kind of, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a time drain for you. It just feels good. So I found myself when I was trying to apply change management and like balanced scorecard methodologies, which I used to do in corporate America, it just didn't feel like as natural. So I worked double the time to find the right words to get the results. So yeah, that book sounds like a good book. I'm going to make sure I write that down after this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good one. So obviously you run this practice with your a sibling, which is mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> um, I'm curious, uh, did you always know that you're going to work alongside each other or is it something you tested out? I'm curious how you initially approached that and you know, where, where you found challenges and how, how are you able to overcome them? Well, it's funny. We do get that question a lot. And when we interview, we have to work really hard to not like sisters, just interrupt each other the entire time. So I will say if you were to put, um, you know, a a mile marker 10 years ago, you and Allison should do a business together. I would be like, Oh, really sure. Like we're so similar in our core values. We're similar in our belief systems, but we're very different in our experiences and our approach. But when we started to, when we look back, we've had a lifetime of mentorship with each other. So I took the corporate America path. She took the teacher and stay home um, mom path. And so what we found is when we kind of go back through mile markers of our, you know, experiences together, we always had like accountability. We would buy journals for each other for Christmas and that would have dates on them. And then we'd write little notes, you know, time to call dad, or you know, we would have these little things. So we had like a lot of accountability things together. But what we found from doing this business together, as long as we're clear on our lane, she's really strong. She's, we call her the chief story officer. I don't love blogging. I actually, I hire her to help me a lot because I think putting yourself out there on social media is the way that business needs, it works today. They have to do podcasts, you have to write, you have to be out there. I'm a little hesitant on that. I just feel like maybe I'm a little old school, but um, I know it's a way of business. So I have my sister, she's really good at writing. She loves writing. So she interviews me and then she helps me write my blogs. And then for her, I'm really good at sales. Like I love figuring out where the revenue is coming from. And so I'll help her when she does her ghost writing or her, um, or she does a lot of uh, TED like speech 
prep and things like that. I'll help her find her clients. So we balance each other out that way. But I think what I've learned the most is if you think about, you know, having a vision, having action that aligns, we're really aligned on that, but kind of crap happens in the real world where you have doubt, fear, disappointment, and things like that. You need a partner that can see you in those moments and remind you of who you are and get you back to who you want to be for the future. Cause you're never stuck. You're never at a place where like, well, I'm 50 now. This is just who I am. Having that growth mindset. She, um, she and I really push each other with that. So as sisters, I think we definitely know each other well, and we're so clear on why we want to be successful in this business together that it works because it's more fun than it's more fun. Like we laugh a lot. I would never put on a podcast our internal meetings because it's not exactly very professional. It's nothing like when I was running strategy for a $3 billion company. I will <laughs> say that we we kind of change subjects very quick, but it works really well for us. And, you know, I think in the partner sense, find somebody that you really believe in the other person at the core so you can keep each other above the line of where they want to be more often, living out their vision, taking daily action and just being like tough love, you know, ha- holding each other accountable to just going for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it sounds like, you know, you, you have a sibling relationship that uh, that all siblings have. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's it's dependent. It's case dependent, I guess. <laughs> yes. um, but, yeah, it's amazing it's how it sounds like you're, you're able to make it make it work so well. So we've heard sort of about, you know, how you, you know, your practice started and how you niche down. Uh, I'm working alongside your sister. Um, I'm curious as well about the the work that you do, you know, with your with your clients. Um, one one of the things that we were just briefly uh, talking about earlier is about some of the things that hold people back in work environments, uh, not believing in their own value or what they bring to the table. You know, I'm a very techie person, uh, but say my um, my wife gets a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes. She's like, oh, I can't type fast enough. But she has a wealth of all these other skills, soft skills. She's one of my secret weapons when I go to uh, conferences. You know, I'll be at a conference for a couple of days and she'll turn up the last hour and I'll think like I, that I know everybody, you know, small conference, you know, I know everyone in the room. And then within half an hour, she's learned more about everyone in the room than I have over the past few <laughs> days. Like, how is this possible? And she'll remember it. Yes. <laughs> she'll remember the details. Yeah. Remembers everybody's names and what they're going through, et cetera. And, um, but I'm curious, like, you know, obviously uh, the work with you do with developing leaders, um, is this something that you encounter where they aren't necessarily aware of some of the in- skills that they bring to the table that, uh, for other people are plain to see. And what can we do? Maybe, maybe if we have, you know, another team member or, or someone who isn't aware of what that value, what, what can we do to support them better? Well, one technology that I just invested in is mm. called Cloverleaf. And there is, you can take, you can create a free Cloverleaf on my Revel Coach website. And what it does is it takes personality assessments to really define who you are. So you kind of get coaching tips around who you are. And so when I was kind of going through the leadership tracks of corporate America, we always did the the personality assessments. And I am a personality assessment junkie, but I am also a cynic to them. Like I kind of, when I was sitting in the corporate America seats, I'm like slightly rolling my eyes. Like the questions are so 
no offense to all the PhDs that do this brilliant work, but the question seems so dumb. Like you walk into a room and you grab an appetizer first or you say hi to a friend. I'm like, why does this even matter? But the results of a individual, whether it's DISC, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, it's so you that it's it's kind of crazy. So when I started this practice, I did recognize most of my clients with an executive coaching. You, you do use personality assessments to help know who the person is hmm. at a deeper level. But this Cloverleaf tool... Um, is amazing because what it does is you actually break down barriers where each one of the tests, they ask different questions because some they're testing. So your perception of the world and how you see the world is how you react based on your fears or based on your motivators. And another one is like how you want to interact with others socially as a leader and to solve problems they have a disc has a different set of questions. So when you kind of see all those types of things, you really actually be like, wow, I totally know why we annoy each other. Or I totally want know why we can snow, you know, we can basically snow doze over everybody. Is it snow doze? I feel like I've been in Florida too long. Bulldoze? <laughs> Snowplow. Sorry. <laughs> I lost my Philadelphia roots. Um, Snowplow over other people. So in the case like that you're mentioning mm-hmm. with your wife and what I have found is when you really know your strengths and you understand your strengths. So you just take the simple exercise of writing a sentence in your dominant hand. So for me, that's I'm right-handed. If write out a simple sentence like, hi, my name is Marcy Stout. It'll be decently clean, relatively fast. If I write that same sentence in my left hand, it takes four times as long. It looks awful. I can do it. So my first thing I always love telling people is like, just invest in that skill that makes you feel like you're right in your left hand. Like, don't get frustrated because you're trying to live up to a left-handed writer for the next of your course. Like that really stunts your business growth. It adds frustration. And the simplicity of writing, my name is Marcy Stout, should take 30 seconds. Instead, it takes maybe a minute and a half to make it like a little bit cleaner, but hours of frustration and doubt because I can't write my name well. So I'm a big fan of outsourcing. I'm a big fan of like, if you're not good at technology, there are many people that don't charge a lot, find somebody to work for you and outsource. But the second part is really with this tool, this Cloverleaf tool that um, I don't work for. I just, I'm going to keep plugging them because I think it has a credible impact. I'll use an example of like, for me, um, my strengths, uh, I've, I've got strengths in positivity, achiever, activator, and Basically, a lot of like my DNA, like my natural way of thinking, my right hand is I love casting a big picture and then I love sales. I love getting results. I'm like, let's get on board and I'll do it positivity. Well, people on the opposite side of that spectrum, the C's, they're the type of people they do really well when they truly understand why there's change. They've had enough time to assess and analyze the data. They've asked enough questions that they're like, okay, I think it makes what? good sense. And then they create systems to make sure it works well. So if you kind of see if the two of us combine, it's phenomenal. Mm. I'll think of idea. And this is, we mentioned our friend, Lana, she and I, she's on my team for, to support the women in, in leadership that I support. And because she's a productivity specialist, she's so good at figuring out systems to make your work more effective, more detailed oriented, less and less time and less stress. Those are skills I do not have. But in a way of um, 
uh, self-awareness. What used to happen before I went into this work, and now I, now I kind of get it, so I wish I knew this 10, 15 years ago, but when I would cast, I used to manage like a large sales team, so 300 people. And I would say, this is the direction we're headed. I'd give all my information, a great you know, visionary talk. And I'd get, say, 80% on board. With a 20% that doesn't get on board, it's not because they were doubting my message. And it wasn't because they were doubting we could get the goals. They just weren't on board yet. So when they pulled me aside and they asked me a bunch of questions, well, why, what about this? And this happened in the past. And here's some negative things that have happened. And I think you're going to have some problems here. I... As a leader, I don't recommend this. As a leader, I actually put them in the box of negative, not a team player, um, confrontational, trying to like basically undermine my authority. And I was the boss, so I could put them in that box. Mm. And I don't, you know, I, I can't look back to the movie, you know, how I did that before. But now that I know that worked, like this person just has a lot of questions because they actually want to get on board, but they're sitting there with their arms crossed, like, I don't get it. Like, why are we making this change? Why do we do it? So if you really use the personality assessments and allow yourself to be open towards everybody has a view of the world that is different and that difference makes everybody stronger if you unite. But it is pretty hostile when you don't. Like if if you don't believe, if you don't have the same fears and, you know, somebody is like going to get complimented for being a risk taker and somebody's going to get complimented for being conservative and smart and not jumping off the cliff. But together, there's like that middle ground. So I think I answered your question on your, on your yeah. wife scenario, but those are like the two things I really like to do is just really kind of knowing yourself, knowing your triggers for other people, having that type of empathy. But really, if you're writing with your left hand, just hire a mentor, outsource it. Don't try to do it alone. Yeah. And when we talk about the writing with your right hand versus left hand, basically recognizing, okay, okay, you know, I'm not the best at this, but I don't necessarily need to focus all my efforts on trying to get better because why don't I just focus on my strengths? Mm-hmm. That's a slightly different a different approach than say hiring a mentor and getting better at that particular skill. Is there? Do you have like instances where you say, "Oh no, you should double down on your strengths," or other times where you're like, "No, actually, you should try and build uh, those areas that you're weak at because they're essential in order to do what you need to do." I'm so glad you picked that up. Um, yeah. I do feel there is a slight difference between those two, where there are some things as a leader of your business, you actually have to be better at it. So a coach can teach you just like, you know, basketball coach. It's not the best basketball players. They don't only shoot with the right hand. They figure out how to be dominant in both. So you can learn skills and embracing that growth mindset that you you can learn anything is great. For me, the outsourcing piece of it is things like, um, you know, everybody has their own strengths, but you know, if you really don't like social media and you you get a knot in your stomach or it just you're starting to do social media at eight o'clock instead of talking to your family, you can outsource that and have somebody else have a plan. They can set you up where you do like, I don't know, you do like three or three or four blogs, but then they schedule it out for you. So outsource the things that aren't critical for you to personally do but critical for your success. And you don't have to do everything. That's the other thing I love when I was talking about comparison is the thief of joy. Just because one great consultant is doing it this way, you don't need to be on TikTok or Twitter if you don't really get that technology and it's not, you know, you can pick pick things that you really want to do and don't try to live up for everything, but really narrow in on what's what's going to help your customers 
solve their problems faster than the competition. Yeah. 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 I like that. I, I, uh, I have a, I really dislike TikTok. So <laughs> yeah, I think anyone's welcome to take care of my TikTok rather than me. I think, but I think I, like you I say, have a couple of teenagers in my house that would love yeah. to take it over. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Because I think, you know, especially when you're doing things that you just, you know, you know, you're sort of like, oh, this has to be done, but you really don't enjoy it. it just takes you so freaking long to get through mm-hmm. it. And it's like wading through trickle. But, um, and it, it fuels the doubt beast. Mm. So there's like a, there's a inner flame in each of us that, you know, trying something new, like you take a risk, you go out there, you want to do something. There's a flame in you that makes it happen. And that flame can be good and bad, you know, like take the risk, try it. You want to kind of fuel that flame, but it's really that flame can get out of control if doubt gets a hold of it. Because you don't want to live in a place of fear and doubt, especially if you're as an entrepreneur, you really have to make sure you're like, okay, where is this? Like honor that emotion of what's happening. Where's the frustration? Where's the doubt? Where's the fear? And if you honor it, that's where you can kind of think, do I need mentorship in this? Do I need to outsource this? Or is this something that really is not critical for my success? And that's things like, you know, breaking the addiction to work. Some entrepreneurs, many start because they want more control of their schedule but they end up working more because they're doing everything. And so for me, you know, since I'm working with a lot of women in leadership, trying to, you know, create harmony and at home and at work, I have to be a role model. So I might be outsourcing a little bit more than the average, but I also feel like who am I to coach people on how to find harmony in in both success personally and professionally. If I'm up till nine o'clock, ignoring my, my children and not having, you know, hobbies and social life and things like that. So I definitely find if you, if you can make sure that flame, you're fueling it with confidence and joy and things that you love, um, things get easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great positive note to help us kind of round up this episode. Uh, But before we wrap everything up, do you want to tell people more about um, where they can find out more about your practice and your programs that you run? Yeah, thank you. So revelcoach.com or my LinkedIn, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, Marcy Stout, but revelcoach.com, that's where it shows all all of our programs. And that's also where you can see free assessments. So if somebody wants to see what it's like to have multiple assessments and one dashboard to see who you are, where you chart out, there's um, that's where you can see the the free assessments through Cloverleaf. But thank you. I appreciate this conversation. Yeah, no, it's great. And that Cleverleaf tool does sound like uh, something really interesting, uh, especially around awareness and sounds like a different, you know, a different perspective than what, uh, you know, DISC and other tools like that will give you. Yeah, Yeah. well, it does use DISC. I mean, it uses all Mm. the top ones, but because they blend it all together, you are allowed to forget what your Enneagram number is. You can forget, are you high D, high I? Mm. You forget all those and you actually see your full self. And if you did do it, um, I do offer workshops for teams. So if you want to work with a team, it actually has the like a bullseye and you see the faces of where everybody's charted differently on the Myers-Briggs or on the disc. And just seeing that you're like, well, of course, you know, this is why we work well together. Or of course, this is where we're going to need to figure out how to work together. And that that's kind of really the power of that tool is how they blend it all together. And then they curate these coaching tips that you get everyone in the morning and you're like, wow, well, that was pretty on, on point. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway, Marcy, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. 
Thanks for listening. This show is brought to you by Spotlight Podcasting, which is an agency I run where we help consultants launch podcasts that align with their business goals. Now, how do we do that? You might wonder. Basically, we simplify the whole process by setting you up with interviews between you and your ideal prospects, as well as strategic partners. And then we handle all the rest for you. So that means the tech setup, audio editing, show notes, production, distribution, all that stuff. You won't have to worry about it. So if you're ready to launch a podcast that will take you minimal time to run, you can find us at spotlightpodcasting.com.